Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. We serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Aren't you glad you have a King that you can run to and be safe? For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run into and be safe. Somebody shout hallelujah. Remain standing. Our youth can return to their seats. They're in the altar worshiping. Remain standing around the building. I want to say that I first want to say I'm so thankful for this choir. The young people, I want all of you to hear me. January the 7th is our next first Sunday service, all right? I want all of you young people in this this choir. How about it, congregation? We want you up here singing and worshiping the Lord. We want you in this choir the next time. Even from around our other churches, we want you to be in this sanctuary choir worshiping the Lord as one voice. We're thankful for our young people. We're thankful for our congregations tonight. Would you clap your hands and thank God for all of our churches and all of our pastors. Amen. Amen. We believe that God is a restorer of the soul. When somebody did something wrong, made a mistake, they had cities that they could run to called cities of refuge. As long as they stayed in the city, as long as the priest was alive, They were protected from the avenger. How many know we serve a high priest who's alive forever and reigns forever? Amen, amen. We are are so glad. I want Brother David Hutton to come. He's helped us tremendously in the McConnellsville work. Just probably a year or so ago, he began to see a touch of God and a call of God come over his life. Has a burden for the lost and anointing upon his life. We want him to come and exhort for a few minutes. Amen. From the word of the Lord, aren't we thankful for Brother David Hutton? He's been a tremendous blessing. Would you welcome him as he comes to preach for a few moments? Hallelujah. How many is thankful for your pastor? I've said this in McConnellsville, but we're blessed by the best with the best. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. Just for a couple minutes, I want to draw your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Read two verses of scripture. I also want to say thank you to my wife. I love my wife. First Samuel 17, verse 28. It says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab answered, Anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and their naughty, thy naughtiness, the naughtiness of thy heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. I want to focus on verse 29. And David said, what have I done now? What have now I done? Is there not a cause? Just for a couple minutes tonight as you're seated, I want to speak on this topic. Some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth fighting for. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that there's some things that's still worth fighting for and still standing for truth? Come on, somebody, if you believe it, why don't you shout amen? 
Hallelujah. Goliath, we know the story of David and Goliath. And we know how Goliath came out and he, he came out for 40 days, two times a day. That's 80 times he came out begging for them to send a man to come and fight. And everybody, it sparked fear in the hearts of all the men of Israel. And they would hide and they would go and hide and they, would, they didn't want to go out. And David came down and he heard this and something stirred inside of his spirit. And something needs to stir inside of our spirit. When we see things going on in our world that's not right and, and we say, is there not a cause? We've got to stand for truth. When everything else is going by the wayside, I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'm not going to let my family be stolen. I'm not going to let my children be dying to hell but I'm going to stand for truth there's some things still worth fighting for come on there's some things we can we got to let something rise up inside of us if you begin to mess with a few bear cubs you would see mama bear rise up something's got to rise up inside of me and you and say devil you're not going to steal my joy you're not going to steal my peace you're not going to steal my victory I'm here to tell you there's things still worth fighting for the enemy will come in and try and sneak and take everything that they can take. When David and his men came back to Ziklag, they discovered their wives and their children were taken. Their valuables were gone and everything else was burning. And the men were angry with David. And they wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And he said, God, should I, can I, should I go after him? Should I, should I, will I overtake him? And God said, yes. And I'm reminded that if we, would, if we would just pursue after what God says to pursue after and fight the battles that God has for us to fight, that we will win and we will be victorious and we will come out with the victory. We will see revival in our cities. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Growing up in church, we used to sing a song. Uh, they, they used to sing it this way. I'm going to the enemy's camp. I'm going to take what, back what he took from me. I'm going to the enemy's camp. I'm going to take it back. And I, I, I went to look up the lyrics earlier. That wasn't the lyrics that I pulled up. And this thought came to my mind, and it came to my mind years past. Why do we always sing this? And uh, how, how many remembers victory marches in church? Somebody gets out and begins to walk around the church, and we're declaring victory. It seems like one person, then another person, and we're all declaring victory. I'm going to the enemy's camp. We're excited about it. But I got to thinking, and when I looked up the lyrics, the lyrics actually said, I went to the enemy's camp. I'm not going to talk about going, but I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to come back with my family. I'm going to come back with what the devil stole from me. I'm not going to be settled for anything less than victory. Because there are things worth fighting for. Hallelujah. Something's got to rise up inside of us and say, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there anybody that will stand up and proclaim and say, there's a cause, there's something worth fighting for in Crooksville. And there's something still worth fighting for in Cambridge, in Gloucester, in Woodsfield. Come on. Is there something still worth fighting for in Coshocton? What about McConnellsville? What about Zanesville? There's something worth fighting for. Come on, let's worship the Lord right now.
on is worth fighting for. There's some warriors in this building. You can't have my city. You can't take my family. Come on, if there are any parents in the building, listen, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to finish the court. I'm holding on. Somebody shout glory. Look at your neighbor and say it's worth fighting for. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout glory. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like we ought to just praise the Lord right now and magnify Him for His goodness. It's not over till it's over. God's got a plan for each and every one of you. Amen. I feel an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this building tonight. God's got a plan for our families. God's got a plan for our pastors. God's got a plan for our cities. I want to be right in the middle of it. Is there anybody that wants to be in the middle of what God is doing? Come on, tell somebody next to you. Greater things are yet to come. Turn to somebody and shout, God is not finished with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've wondered if something might happen that in just a short season of time, all the people we've reached for, everybody that's ever been touched by the Holy Ghost, just one revival, one call of God, one altar and one prayer meeting, they come running from all four corners of our cities. Come on, all it takes is one revival. All it takes is one good Sunday. All it takes is one good old-fashioned prayer meeting to turn a nation around. Do you believe that God's going to do it? I believe God's going to do it. Somebody shout, I believe it. The greatest hour of the church is not behind us. It's ahead of us. Look at your neighbor say, you need to get on your tippy toes. Y'all say tippy toes in Ohio. We say in West Virginia, you need to lean forward. I mean, over when Brother Mark said the problem is we've been pushed back by the enemy. He said it's time to change the posture. It's time to lean forward. Everybody lean forward with expectation. God is about to do a work among us. God is about to show up in every one of our cities. Come on, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's a liberty. There is power. Come on, there's power to heal. There's power to deliver. There's power to set free. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to happen in my city. Tell them God's going to do it in my family. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother David, for preaching about it. It's worth fighting for. We believe that. Amen. There's power. Oh, wonder-working power in the blood. Sing it with me. Of the Lamb. Oh, there is power. Wonder-working power in the
burden of sin. There is, there is power. Oh, and would you are evil, victory win. There is wonderful power. for him. He's been a tremendous, tremendous friend of mine for many years. His voice is historical in this church. Many years preaching, preaching revivals as an evangelist. Certainly all over Ohio. He's preached all over. We're thankful for his evangelistic voice, but also his prophetic voice. He's spoken into my life for this church, visionary things, and I'm thankful for that. Pastor Dillingham, and we so appreciate you and wife and your children and I believe the Lord a while back I felt the visitation of God come up over me and I felt like you were supposed to be here and uh, thank you so much for being willing to come I know that our pastors appreciate your voice and their life and what you've been and there's a lot of new faces here that haven't got to hear you and uh, but we're thankful because listen there's a lot of voices in 2023 tons of them but I want to hear what the spirits say to the church. And how can you hear without a preacher? And how can he preach except to be sent? And I've wondered tonight if, if December the 3rd on a Sunday night is a tipping point service. Just pushes us over the edge to great revival. I believe God sent a man of God here tonight. And I feel like before he comes, this tremendous man of God, before he comes, I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I want to hear what you're saying to my generation. Come on, I want you to make it a point. I want my mind to be open, my spirit to be open to what you're speaking. We've come to hear a word from the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Pastor Ken Dillingham is coming. He's a revivalist. He and his brother do a Dillingham group where they help pastors and church planters all over the country. He pastors a multi-campus congregation. And I'm so thankful that you're here tonight. Would you welcome my friend, Pastor Ken Dillingham. Come on, one more time, lift it up before the Lord. 
magnify him in this house. God, we bless you. God, we love you. God, we magnify your holy name. You're so good. Lord, you're so good to us. We're so thankful for you, Jesus. Hey. Amen. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here tonight. And uh, my family had every plan to be here. And our daughter-in-law lost her grandfather, passed away just a, a, a day and a half ago. And so my wife and Avery drove to uh, Louisiana to be with them. And uh, I'm uh, thankful, though, one of our ministers, Aaron Thornton, has come with me tonight. I'm thankful for he, him to be here. And uh, thankful for this beautiful crowd of, of people, congregations that represent the broad spectrum of the work of God. When you look around, uh, I, I, I preached here before where there, there wasn't all these people. I remember many years ago when he... Wow, I was 20 years old, my wife was 19, and I got an opportunity to be a production supervisor downtown in Zanesville for 5B's Sewing. It's the truth. I was 20 years old, and there was a man that was, um, there was a man there, and he said to me, I heard, he said, I heard you're a, a, a minister, and I said, yes, sir, and he said, um, well, our church, they were the, the Methodist church across from the mall. He said, our church has been uh, studying about the Methodist church and the way that they used to get together and have prayer meetings, and the Spirit of the Lord would show up. And he said, do you know anything about that? And I'd say, well, there's a few sure indicators about when the Spirit of the Lord shows up. I said, has anybody spoken in tongues yet when the Spirit of the Lord shows up? He said, no, I don't, I don't believe so. I said, well, the next time the Spirit of the Lord shows up, I want, you to, I want you to just lay your hand and say, God, let the Holy Ghost flow out of them. And he told me, he said, came back to work that following week, and he said, we had two people get the Holy Ghost. Two days after that, Brother Ferris called me and said, Brother Dillingham, I believe it's the will of God for you to come and preach a revival. And, uh, and I did, and several of the folks came to that revival. I'm going to tell you something right now. Zanesville's got a special place in our heart, both for the work of God, the general work of God, but, but also for the Bounds family. And, and uh, man, aren't you thankful for amazing leaders? Wow. Not everybody gets what you get, but favor ain't fair. And uh, thankful, thankful for uh, Pastor Tony Richard. I don't know if you know this or not, but his his father basically won my stepdad. Or excuse me, my stepdad, my father-in-law to the Lord. His father won my father-in-law to the Lord, and so I'm so thankful today. I want you to. I want you to just think with me tonight about some far-reaching thing 
that God is doing. Some, something that seems so beyond your capacity right now. I want you to think of something that is so far beyond even the realm of potential, within, within your potential to bring it to pass. I want you to think about it. Something maybe God's been laying on your heart, something God's been speaking to you about. And then I want you to consider the fact that the Bible says nothing is too hard for the Lord. My, my, my. Tonight, I want you to, I want you to take your Bible Look with me in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And as you go there, uh, again, I just want to reiterate, thank you for the opportunity to be here for this Anchor United, what do you call it, Anchor First Sunday, Anchor United, One Voice, One Vision. I just got all this stuff in my head. It's the one voice and one vision, Anchor United, first Sunday service. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 1, Pastor Bounce, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Bishop, amen. You're a bishop. Amen. According to the Word of God, you're a bishop. And uh, your friendship means the world to me, and I'm thankful for that. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, the Bible said, Then God said... Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that uh, God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning mm, were the first day. And I want to I want to preach for a few moments tonight on this topic. Standing still in lesser light. Amen. Standing still in lesser light. Can you pray with me? God, we love you, Jesus. We magnify you tonight, Jesus. We bless you and we give you glory and honor and praise tonight, wonderful Savior. God, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would do exactly what you purposed in this house. That you would accomplish tonight, oh God, everything that you wanted to do with us and in us and through us. By the time, oh God, that we turn the lights out and close the doors and we go to our varied homes tonight, Jesus, I pray that it would be said, the Lord was in the house. The Lord moved among his people. The Lord's will was done. God, we give you praise tonight, glory and honor, and we lift you up with our hands and our voices. Let's give him a hand clap of praise one more time. Hey. Woo! My, my, my. Amen. You may be seated tonight if you promise not to sit down on me. <clears throat> Light is a powerful thing. When I was a kid, my papa took me to the backyard to show me something really cool. I, I would assume that I was probably too young to see such a cool thing. As we approached a pile of leaves that we had raked a little earlier, he pulled from his back pocket a magnifying glass. I thought we were going to inspect leaves. I thought we were going to look very closely at leaves. 
And then all of a sudden, he did something that blew my mind. He, he positioned the magnifying glass directly between the sunlight and the leaves. And he said, now watch very closely. And my little eight-year-old eyes couldn't believe it. As the leaves began to smoke and then poof, a flame emerged. He said, the sun is very powerful when you concentrate it on something. So be very careful not to burn something that you, that, that you shouldn't burn. And don't burn your skin if you ever do this with the magnifying glass. Folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. That was such a cool lesson to an eight-year-old. In fact, I wondered if it would work on if I was sitting at my desk and the window in class, if the sun came through just right, could I start somebody else's paper on fire? Light is powerful. X-rays are a type of light. When they've been excited, atoms emit packages of energy called photons. And these Photons make up every kind of light. And so x-rays are particularly energetic photons that are emitted by electrons outside of the nucleus. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, he's been reading Wikipedia. When directed in medical imaging applications, they can send a picture of the inside of your body to tell the doctor if there's a broken bone or some kind of object in you that should not be. Light is powerful. Solar panels can capture the energy of the sun and turn it into electrical currents. Our skin, believe it or not, working in a similar way, can use the energy from the sunlight to affect a type of cholesterol in our bodies and turn that cholesterol into vitamin D3. Plants converts, convert sunlight into sugar through photosynthesis. The earth absorbs the heat of the radiant light and causes the ground to warm, which combined with proper moisture levels triggers transformation of a seed into a plant. Light is powerful. As we read those three verses in our text of Genesis chapter 1, we read that the Bible said that darkness was on the face of the deep, but that God lit up. Oh, come on, somebody. God lit up the creation, not with the sun, not with light that emanated from a created physical source. Instead, this was the light as a manifestation of who God is. The apostle John recorded in his first epistle, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Psalm 136 and 7 said, to him who made the great lights, for his faithfulness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his faithfulness is everlasting. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for his faithfulness is everlasting. I want you to notice tonight that both the daylights and the nightlights 
are referred to as great lights because they both have dominion, one in the daytime and one in the nighttime. And because they have been given dominion, they are not compared to each other, but they are compared to the darkness. I wish I could get a witness in the house. I wish I had some help in this place. Amen. The lights are not called to be compared to each other, but they are, be, they are called to be compared in contrast to the darkness that they rule over. One in the daytime and one in the nighttime. And the Bible says that they have power to exercise authority or operate in the power of God. That's why rule is used to describe the lights because they exercise their God-given power and they say, those lights say there will never be darkness that overtakes the world. Brothers and sisters, tonight in this building we often think of light in terms of of degrees. Something that has more is considered greater than what has less. We use the term greater and to be fair, Genesis 1.16 calls the light of the day gadol or greater. But this greater is descriptive of its intensity, not of its purpose. In Psalm 136, its ability to exercise dominion over the darkness, neither of them excels the other. They're both great lights. That's why Jeremiah 31 and 35 says, This is what the Lord says. He who gives the sun for light by day and who fixed the order of the moon and the stars for light by night. Psalm 74 says, The day is yours and also the night. You establish the moon and the sun. Tonight in this building, I believe it's important for us to recognize that we're living in a day, a time, an era where some might say that darkness is beginning to prevail, that we are living in a darker time. And I'm sure that probably we could, someone could make the argument that we are living in a time of increasing darkness. That it would appear and it would seem that from some perspectives that darkness is beginning to at least in some ways win the day. But I'm here to tell somebody in this building today that God established a rule all the way back in the beginning that no matter if you're talking about the bright light of the daytime or if you're just talking about the glow of the moon in the nighttime, that the light is what is in rule. The light is what has dominion. The darkness never. The darkness is never in control. Somebody told me the other day, said, said, Chuck Norris, when he walks into a room, doesn't turn the lights on. He turns off the dark. (laughs) Did you know when Chuck Norris does push-ups, he doesn't push himself up. He pushes the earth away from him. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I better be careful. I got Chuck Norris jokes going through my head. 
<laughs> Did you know death? Death death had a near chuck experience. <laughs> Sorry. The children of Israel during their Passover escape from Egypt became hotly pursued by Pharaoh and his mighty army. They were literally trapped between the approaching army and the Red Sea. You know what God's response was to Moses? He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But tonight, make no mistake, brothers and sisters, standing still is not God's command to remain frozen in a paralyzed posture. The Hebrew word for stand means to station yourself or to take a stand. God was commanding them to take a stand right where you are in full assurance of God's next move. Moses did not know what God's next move was. We would say that he was in the dark. Has anybody in this building ever been in the dark about what God is up to in your life? Have you ever felt like, I, I, don't, I feel like I'm in the dark to, to whatever it is God is up to. I have no idea what God's doing in this moment of time. I believe in the Holy Ghost that there are people under the sound of my voice in this building tonight that you are in a season right now where there's something inside of you that is saying, what in the world is going on? What's going on in this situation? What's going on in my family? What is going to be the outcome of this? I'm going to tell you that the Holy Ghost is speaking in this building and he's saying don't make any mistake about it. God's got a plan whether you know it or not. God is up to something whether it makes sense to you or not. So station yourself and wait on the Lord. You may be seated. There were moments during the ten plagues when God clearly told Moses what to do next. Moses, now go do this. Moses, go into Pharaoh and tell him, are you ready now to let the people go? He's going to tell you no. And so you just Stretch out your rod and lice are going to come over the land. It's over and over God said, this is the next move. This is what Pharaoh's going to do. This is going to be your response. And God is giving him very detailed information. He allowed him to even know that Pharaoh was going to have his heart hardened. And he will not let you go even by a mighty hand. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know about anybody in this building. I'm just going to tell you for myself, I love the moments when God tells me what he's up to. I mean, if it was up to me, God would just send me an email every morning. Oh, I'm, I'm the only one, huh? 
Y'all laughing at me? Am I the only one in the building just wish that God would just send me an email in the morning and say, okay, now today, these are the things you're going to face. These are the things that are going to happen. This is the stuff that you're going to fight against. This is, this, these are the th- this is your response. This is what I want you to do. Here's how I'm going to show up. Get ready for a miracle here. Does it happen that way? No, because the Bible said we walk by faith. Not by what? Not by sight. What we know is this, that sometimes we're in the dark and God is doing his best work. You better watch out tonight. Sometimes we're in the dark and God's up to something that we've never seen before. Whether or not we understand it, whether or not we comprehend it, whether or not it makes sense, whether or not, come on somebody, whether or not we've ever heard it happen before, God is moving in this hour. But standing there before the Red Sea, God doesn't tell Moses or the children of Israel what the next scene is going to be. He simply says, station yourself. Sometimes we think stand still is like this. Have you ever stood still and just shook and trembled? I don't know about anybody in this building, but certainly there's somebody in here that you've gotten a report from the doctor you didn't want to get. Certainly there's somebody in this building in here that got a a note from your employer that you didn't want to get. You see, it's easy for us. My God, somebody listen to me. It's easy for us sometimes to say, my Lord, look what God's up to. Look what God's doing. Can you see what Jesus has done? That's one of the reasons why I believe that it's important for you to build memorials in your life. When I grew up in the church, every now and then they'd say, let's turn to page number whatever, and they would begin to sing, count your blessings, name them one by one. Amen, right? Why? Because they're going to be times when those blessings are the only thing that is urging you to station yourself, stand still. Don't just get paralyzed in fear and doubt, but stand still and wait and see what God is about to do. You see, even in lesser light, Moses was told to take a bold stand just as he had in times of greater light. In times of uncertainty and fear, just as he had in clarity and boldness. Because God's lesser light, just as his greater light, still has dominion over the darkness. In Genesis chapter 1, in our text today, we read of God dividing the lights for his plan. It was from the dividing of greater and lesser light in the beginning of creation that God established a sequential schedule, a cycle of time, morning and evening becoming the mechanism for the ordering of seasons and the counting of days. Days in their succession for weeks and weeks in their succession for months and months in their succession for years and it was all God's plan. He established, watch, watch, watch. He established order. 
through change. He established consistency through change. Sometimes we need things to slow down to a crawl so that we can grip it tight enough to balance all the moving parts. But God does not. God doesn't need things to stay in an unbroken chain of continuity where nothing ever changes. That's what we need. God ordered the world to work in harmony within the perfect processes of change. And that's the way God rolls. Do you know what establishes order when everything is spinning, everything is changing, when the earth is spinning 1,000 miles per hour on its axis and hurtling in orbit 67,000 miles per hour around the sun? Do you know what it is? It's God sustaining the whole system with his perfect power and orchestration. It's not stationary. It's not in unchanging calm. It's all subject to his divine sovereign power and authority. Brothers and sisters that's the same God that's got control of your life. That's the same God who's got control of your future. That's the same God that's on your side. That's the same God that's asking you tonight to allow him to be Lord over your life. Night and day and change The wild world that we live in has always been like this since creation. It was only after the original sin of Adam and Eve that the world had the ability to control us as change became a part of a sin-broken system where chaos was possible. The ground not yielding its full potential. The thorns and thistles working against the fruitful flourishing of the fields. The best efforts of humans often hampered by a new dysfunctional system. The world God made to take care of us in peace, now no longer working for, but working against us as we toil for survival through the sweat of the brow. God's intended peace now struggle. And the finished Rest of God, now our hard work. This is, brothers and sisters, this is not how God made the world. This is the unleashing of disorder. We cannot afford to forget that God is and did order the entire process. We don't have to fear or try to control it, but rather we can embrace the perfect purpose that God works in the midst of imperfection. Sometimes life doesn't produce what we want. And if it does, we rarely happen, it rarely happens in the way that we had planned it. You see, in the beginning, God ordered a world. God ordered the world by His Word. And when he ordered the world by his word, everything worked in perfect synchrony and harmony. The Bible tells us, and I don't want to get deep in this, but you go back and study it yourself. On Gen- in, 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 in Genesis on days 1, 2, and 3, we find God ordering the world according to his power and glory. 
On days four, five, and six, we see God creating delegates that are going to be made out of the created realm that are going to be given power to represent the authority that God established on days one, two, and three. For example, on day one, God said, let there be light. On day four, God said, I'm going to make the sun and the moon and the stars and the host of heaven. He gave them power to be delegates to reflect something that is initially God's power to begin with. The land animals, the animals in the sea, the, the animals that fly, flew in the sky, the humans in, 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 in fleshly bags of bones given the image of God and then God breathed into them the ruach, the breath of life and they became living souls. But brothers and sisters, God put a tree in the midst of that garden. And when God put that tree in the midst of the garden, he called it the tree. We call it the tree of good and evil. And, and because of that, we think of it as in a moral context. But the truth of the matter is, the Hebrew says, it was the tree of the good and not the good. The good was the way God made the world. But the not the good was a choice for us to order our world for ourselves. When Eve took that fruit and ate of the fruit, what she was doing was she was forsaking the original God-ordered plan for a self-ordered life. Can I tell somebody in this building right now that our everyday struggle is a struggle of living a self-ordered life. And so it is that when Jesus said to Peter, Satan is desired to have you, to sift you like wheat. When did that sifting come? Was it not in the confusion following the arrest of the midnight trial of Jesus? Was it not in the loneliness of trying to figure out what was going on in the middle of the night? Was, did Jesus not say before the cock crows, you will deny me three times? When does the cock crow? At daybreak. So when was the testing? going on in the darkness of night. In the midnight hour when lesser light keeps you from seeing very far in the distance, Peter didn't know how it was going to turn out. Uzzah didn't reach out and to uh, 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 stabilize the ark until the ox stumbled and the cart began rocking. And in trying to stabilize something in his own fleshly power, he touched the Ark of the Covenant and died. Can I tell somebody in this house tonight, you need to be careful. When your human hands reach out to control the discouraging season of change. When things aren't going the way you want them. Or you are in danger of making a move that will cost you more than you bargain. Listen, what we've got to get our minds wrapped around tonight is this. Uzzah reached out when the ox stumbled and it looked like things were coming apart. Sometimes what happens in our lives is that when things begin to happen in ways that we didn't expect... Or things begin to transpire in ways that we are afraid might get out of control. We'll reach our hand out and we'll put our hand to it. 
We'll reach our hand out and say, well, I'll take a, a hold of it or I'll try to control it or I'll try to figure out how to fix this thing. But I'm going to tell somebody in this building right now that what we really need to do in those moments is to hit our face at this altar, get a hold of God and say, Lord, give me a... Give me a fresh revelation of your power. Give me a fresh revelation that you're in control. Give me a fresh revelation that you've got all things working in harmony of your purpose and plan. God, don't let me reach out when it stops making sense to me. Don't let me put my hand on it when I, when I can't figure it out. Abraham you can be seated. Abraham didn't even consider fulfilling the promise of God by having a baby through the handmaiden Hagar, except that the aging Sarah staggered at the promise and in the darkness of impossibility offered Abraham a human solution to a divine problem. Be careful when the frustration of a season of spiritual fruitlessness is remedied by a substitute. You will never fulfill the promise by creating a humanly devised solution. Stand still when it feels like the hour is getting late. Stand still when it feels like your chances are diminishing. Stand still when it feels like the clock is ticking against you. Stand still when it feels like your options are running out. Stand still. I'm not talking about stand still in paralyzed posture. I'm talking about stand still like God told the children of Israel at the Red Sea. Station yourself. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice and begin to call out to Almighty God and say, Lord, I still trust you. Mary and Martha looked at Jesus and they said, Lord, if you would have been here, our brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. Lord, you came just a little late. Oh, I know. We used to sing that song. We sang it at camp. We sang it in our choirs. You know, remember that song we used to sing? He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He's an on-time God. <laughs> what did he say? What did we say? Ah, oh, when you want him. He's an on-time. See, we, we like to sing that song, but we don't like to live that song. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, in fact, we we use that song sometimes. We used to use that song. I don't know if we sing it anymore, but we used to use that song to comfort ourselves that he's an on-time God. He'll be there right on time. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. Sometimes God don't come right on time. Sometimes he comes four days late. We think, well, he's going to come at 11.59. Woo, that was a close one. We had 30 seconds to spare, but God came through. 
Amen. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. Sometimes the clock of midnight strikes and God still doesn't show up. Are, mm-hmm. Are you going to stand still? Are you going to stand still? Are you going to position yourself? Are you going to plant your feet? Are you going to spread your shoulders back? Are you going to stick out your chest and say, you know what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He didn't come when I thought he'd come. In fact, it looks like there's no remedy. But I'm still standing because I believe that God's got the power to do whatever he wants to do. Lord, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been here, Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus said your brother Lazarus will live again. So guess what they do? Watch this. So they don't have faith for what could have been. So now they got faith for what's going to be. And What we sometimes do is we swing on the pendulum. Well, it didn't happen like I thought it would happen, but one day, God didn't do what I thought he was going to do, but tomorrow, they said, they said, we believe that our brother Lazarus will live again in the last resurrection. Oh, big faith for some future day. I told the last evangelist that came to our church, I told him, I said, listen, I got one request of you. I said, please don't get up. And prophesy to our church, there's coming a great revival. I said, I'm so sick of hearing there's coming a great revival. Great revival just around the corner. Revival's coming. And I said, I just told him, I said, look, we've shouted all we can shout. We're ready for revival right now. We don't want revival to come. Great revival's coming. Well, when's it going to get here? You know what I'm talking about? We've been, we've been great revivaling for five years now. Great revival on its way. I'm like, well, tell us what we do not doing so not showing up. You know what I'm talking about. Brothers and sisters, they looked forward and they said, I believe that he's going to live in the last resurrection. There's coming a day. They're, they're, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We believe there's coming a day when our brother, we're going to see him and he's going to live again. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, no, 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 no. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. But you've got to get that first part before you get that second part. Y'all better hear me right now. Amen. Can I take my towel off right now? Amen. I feel like going loose stone for a minute. There's a mighty presence of angels in this place. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what kind of preacher he is, but he does Chuck Norris and Lee Stone King pretty good. You know what I'm talking about? I am. I am the resurrection and life. I am is, has two critical components. I am has two critical components. I am is the introductory name of God to Moses at the burning bush. When he said, when I tell them who sent me, what shall I tell them? And he said, tell them I am that I am has sent you. I am is the divine name of God. When Jesus Christ looked at Mary and Martha, he wanted them to understand the answer to your dilemma is not a last day resurrection. It is and always has been the presence of an undefeatable God. 
Your answer is not in what could have been and your answer is not in what's going to be. Your answer is in the I am. He is a God who is not constrained by time. There is no yesterday to God. There is no tomorrow to God. He's got one foot equally in what has been and he's got another foot equally in what will be and he stands in the present with power for whatever you need right now you see the resurrection and the life is the byproduct of the I am showing up Moses said Lord I want to see you God said, no man has seen me and lived. He said, but I still want to see you, God. I don't care if I die. I want to see you, Lord. He said, okay, Moses, here's what I'll do. He said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock. I've carved out a special place for you. And I'm going to put my hand upon the the opening of that rock or that carved out place and when and I'm going to and I'm going to pass by I'm going to let my goodness pass by I'm going to let my glory pass by and he said and you shall see my hinder parts now that always kind of freaked me out I'm like <laughs> What was the guy showing him? He was like, no, like you couldn't be that. It, it could not be that. He's like, you can't see my face, but <laughs> right? This doesn't make sense. <clears throat> Chuck Norris's watch doesn't tell time. He tells it what time it is. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. And so I started digging in and I started studying about that. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. See the hinder parts and like, this is, is this going to be a substitute? Or, but then I began to realize that in the Hebrew language, the phrase, my hinder parts, literally comes from a Hebrew phrase that could also be translated, the parts that come after God wasn't saying I'll show you my backside God was saying you can't see my face because that is reserved for another prophetic hour that's why John said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God the word was God and the Bible said but the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. He said, you seeing my face is reserved for another day. My face is going to be seen in my incarnation. But let me tell you what I'll show you right now. I'll show you what happens when I pass by. I'll show you what happens when my presence has been where you are. Stand with me tonight.
Stand with me tonight. I want somebody in this building to understand that Moses was in darkness. Moses was in darkness while he was in the cleft of the rock with God's hand over it. Because only God's hand could shield him from the bright shining of his glory. But he said, Moses, he said, I will show you the parts that come after. Hebrew theologians actually believe. I don't know if this is true or not. But Hebrew theologians actually believe, Bishop Bounds, that what this means is that God gave him a pictorial of everything that was written in the book of Genesis up to Moses. That God gave Moses a the, the, what happened on day one and what happened on day two and what happened on day three. That God said, I'm going to show you where I've been. Uh, and I'm going to show you what is a result of me showing up where I've been. Can I tell somebody in this building right now, God's calling someone in this house to stand still in lesser light. You might be in a nighttime hour. You might be in a darkness moment. You might not know what God's up to. Lord, what? Why didn't you come, God? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you show up? And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. See, the resurrection and life are the parts that come after. Just like he said, watch, 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 watch. Do you see? It's like a hyperlink. It's like, you, you know what I'm talking about. Do you know what a hyperlink is? Do you know what I'm talking about, what a hyperlink is? You're, maybe you're on a, you're a web page or whatever, and you're studying something for, from, for school, and all of a sudden it says uh, it's got a hyperlink, and you click on the hyperlink, and it takes you to another understanding of this whole full thing. This is a hyperlink. There's hyperlinks all over the Bible. Right? There's these hyperlinks in the Bible and you click on something and, and it's language that speaks to something else. For example, for example, uh, here's, here's an example of a hyperlink. Jesus came walking on the stormy water, which is a hyperlink in their mind of the chaos waters of the book of Genesis when the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon the face of the waters and God came and where His Spirit was brought calm and order and Jesus is walking on the water and it's a hyperlink for them to realize this is God revisiting our chaos waters. The hyperlink in the story of Lazarus is this. Lazarus was sealed in the darkness. There is no greater darkness than your eyes closed by death and your mind shut off by death. Lazarus could not affect his situation. Lazarus couldn't heal himself. Mary and Martha couldn't heal him. And when Jesus shows up, they're like, thank you, Lord. We've already even eaten the funeral dinner. And Jesus starts speaking hope into them in their darkness. Your brother will live. Lazarus will live. 
And, and they don't want to make it sound all freaky like they don't believe, you know. They're like, oh, yes, yes, we believe that he will, he will live in the last resurrection. And Jesus doesn't even respond about the last resurrection. He says, I am. He said, you've got to get a revelation. I, I, I've come to bring resurrection and life. But the revelation that you've got to get is I am. You want me to be the resurrection and life, but I'm not resurrection and life unless I am. You want me to be your answer, but I can't be your answer unless I am. You want me to be... And so God invades their darkness. And just like Moses in that dark place sealed in, here comes Jesus. And the I am says, roll back the stone. Let some light in. And they're like, now, Lord, look. We know you're a smart man. He probably don't smell so good by now. Death and deterioration had taken over his physical body, and they rolled back the stone. And what does Jesus say? Lazarus, what? realize how weird that is do you realize how weird that is he spoke to a dead man I'm telling you right now if it's anybody but Jesus we're going to send him off to a counselor Jesus you know <laughs> the dead men can't hear <laughs> right unless the one speaking is the I am. Unless the one speaking is the one who put life into that body in the first place, you don't hear me. When he said, Lazarus, come forth, it wasn't the ears of Lazarus' physical body that heard him. It was the entire spirit realm. Wherever Lazarus' soul was resting, he heard the voice of Jesus all the way from Abraham's bosom. And from Abraham's bosom, Lazarus went, and all of a sudden found himself in a body again. His eyes popped open. I want, to, I, want, I want to close with this thought right here. I want to close with this. I was studying, Bishop. I was studying about that situation where Jesus says to the man that was laying at the pool of Bethesda, He said, How long have you been like this? And he said, For 38 years. He said, Arise, take up thy bed. And walk. And the Lord started dealing with me because I, I started getting into a phase where I was going, I, I was praying for healing and I was praying and, and, and people were getting healed, but I was asking them. I'm like, okay, I say, do you have anything that needs healing yet? My neck. Okay, what about your neck? Well, I've got a C2 that I've had, I've got arthritis in the C2. Okay, how long have you had arthritis in the C2? And we go through this. Okay, C2 in the arthritis. And look, there's nothing wrong with praying specifically. But I'm going to tell you something right now. When the I am prays, he doesn't even ask you how you got there. 
He doesn't even look, he doesn't even say to that man, how did you get paralyzed? He just simply says, when he saw him, he knew he'd been a long time in that condition and said, how long you been like this? He said, for 38 years. He said, it's time to get up. Take up your bed and walk. Watch, 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 watch. Watch. This is why you need to stand still in lesser light. I preach for, I preach for the last 10 minutes of the spirit of revelation to flow in this place. The Lord told me tonight, he said, I want you to come. He said, I'll give you a prophetic utterance, but I want you to come in the power of an apostle. I'm here to tell somebody in this building right now, I'm not preaching a sermon to you. I didn't come tonight to preach a sermon. I preached a sermon this morning. Well, I didn't really preach a sermon either this morning, but I've already preached once today. And something hit me when I began to read that. Sit down for just a minute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm feeling something in the Holy Ghost right now. You thought you were fixing to go get pizza. Come on. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, man shall not live by bread alone. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Listen. He says, arise, take up thy bed and walk. He did not ask him if he had a traumatic brain injury. He did not ask him if he had broken his neck. He did not ask him if he was born with cerebral palsy. He did not ask. He did not go through the details. Do you know why? Because when the I am says rise up and walk if you take an action by faith to respond to his commandment whatever is hindering you, whatever is stopping you will be removed so that you can answer the call of God sometimes you've got to stand still in lesser light okay now you can stand all right all right all right no 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 be see no no It doesn't matter how that man got paralyzed. What matters is the I am said get up. We spend so much time and effort and energy. Oh my God, thank you Jesus. I'm going to walk down this aisle right here. Now I'm fixing to go talk to some individual. I'm going to tell somebody in this building right now. What happens is, is we spend so much time thinking about and considering and contemplating how we got into this mess and how everything got so screwed up and how it was all fouled up. And we start thinking about what if they'd have done that and if they hadn't have done that. And we start thinking about how everything got in such a mess. We start thinking about if they hadn't said that and if they hadn't done that and and, and you could get bitter because you're like well if they hadn't said that to my son if if she hadn't said that and they hadn't acted that way and they hadn't rebuked him in youth class and if they hadn't and we start thinking about all of those kinds of things and the enemy begins to sneak sneak into our mind and begin to wonder we we, we wonder if if that hadn't happened we wouldn't have so much dysfunction if that wouldn't happen we wouldn't have all this problem if that wouldn't have happened we wouldn't have this situation that would be so broken and, and And Jesus said, shh, shh. You're speaking about things that you can't see. You're speaking out of your darkness. 
There's somebody in this building tonight that you've been speaking out of your darkness. You've been speaking about how everything got so messed up, and you've been th- you've been speaking about how how you got so everything got so um, just in a in an absolute ball, not just dysfunctional confusion. You try to unravel it and you try to unwind it and you try to make it all make sense and you try to pull out the pieces and why this one and oh this one here and oh I forgot about that and you've got this big old ball, this mess and all of a sudden Jesus says stop it. Stand still in lesser light. You may know one day why. Can I tell you that Job Job never learned why. God never told Job that there was an encounter with the devil and the devil challenged him and then Job never knew. You know what you know what Job learned? He learned who God was. Job didn't learn all that had precipitated the disasters. But all of the disasters introduced him to Jesus. And there's somebody in this building that you've been in lesser light for a while. Your life has been, it, it just feels like you're trying to read by a nightlight. And it's just lesser light. Where's God? Why this and why that? And the problem is, is you're going to stay in that lesser light. I'm talking to somebody in this building right now. I could go to you right now. I could go to you right now. But I'm not going to go to you because you're listening to me. And you're going to respond. And I feel it in the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you right now that there's this there's this thing that's keeping you in the darkness. And what it is, is you're still talking like Mary and Martha. You're still talking about if Jesus would have done this and if they wouldn't have done that. And if, and all of the things. And you're thinking of all the different things in the past. That, that, that if all of those things would have been different. If they hadn't have done that. And if I hadn't gotten molested. And if they hadn't said that. And if I hadn't been raised in that situation. And if my... Dad hadn't lost his job. If my parents hadn't gotten divorced. And tonight I feel the Holy Ghost calling somebody in this building to stand still. Even in lesser light. And you're like, yeah, but if if I could get some full light on the situation. And he goes, nope. No, I'm calling you to stand still in lesser light. Listen, the man at the pool of Bethesda was not given greater light. He was told to stand up in his lesser light. Stand up right there in your lesser light. Stand up right there in that situation. Just start obeying Jesus right now Mary Martha I am you got to get that revelation first it doesn't matter what happened when I show up it doesn't matter the time frame when I show up it doesn't matter what 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 the confusion was when I show up the I am is there the body of or the the soul of Lazarus reunites with the body and 
comes walking out. Jesus doesn't speak for a reversal of the heart attack. Jesus doesn't speak for a reversal of the stroke. Jesus doesn't speak for the reversal of the COVID. Jesus just says, Lazarus, come forth. And out of lesser light, he emerges. And he said, loose him and let him go. Folks, I'm here to tell somebody in this building tonight. <laughs> somebody in this house. You've been struggling in the darkness and you've been struggling with lesser light and you've been struggling with not understanding and you just think if you understood it all, it would all make sense and then it'd be okay. No, it's okay because Jesus is here tonight calling you to step forward in the lesser light. And when you step forward toward Jesus, you automatically walk into His light. I wonder if there's somebody right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. It's okay, isn't it? On a Sunday night, isn't it? Is it okay? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Is there somebody right now that you say, I know that I know that I know that God is calling me out to step out of my situation. If that's you, I want you to come out right now. I want you to step out and I want you to come down here. Come on, all over the building. Come on, step out. That's why we used to sing that song, He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. Come on, I'm giving, I'm giving more people some time right now. Come on forward. I'm going to tell you something right now. There's, I don't know if there's some pastoral staff or some leaders. Look, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. There have been moments in my life, Bishop. There have been moments in my life that I've had to pastor and lead in lesser light. There have been times when I didn't understand what, what all was going on and why and how this was affecting that and what was going on. And God, what do we... Two weeks ago, listen, two weeks ago I stood and I started... Actually, it was three weeks ago. Three weeks ago I stood in the middle of... I didn't even realize the extent of the chaos that had happened that morning I didn't fully comprehend the extent of the chaos that had happened that morning and I got up and I knew I felt it you could sense it it was just there was chaos in the air I mean it was just like something crazy has happened today and three weeks ago I stood up and I, I started to preach and the Spirit of the Lord started moving, and before I could get one word out of my mouth, 
I started declaring to Lifeway. I said to the church that I lead, I started declaring and I started saying, you know, oftentimes we quote the scripture, no flesh will glory in his presence. And I said, and we use that as a rebuke, you know, that if you want your flesh to shine, then Jesus isn't going to show up. I said, but what if that is a promise sometimes? Like when Solomon built the temple and they made their sacrifices and their offerings and after they had made their sacrifices and offerings the glory of the Lord filled the house so that the priests weren't able to minister and I mean I'm telling you I felt the power of God the glory of God began to fall and what I did not know was that God was coming down in the middle of chaos caused by flesh And his glory was causing flesh to fall on its face. I'm here to tell you right now. Sometimes it's the mercy of God when his glory comes and knocks you off your feet. Sometimes it's the mercy of God when his glory comes and pushes you on your face. Sometimes it's the mercy of God when his glory comes and causes you to stop operating in the flesh so that he can walk you into your promises I want you to lift up your voice right now come on all over this building this is a praying church you know what to do come on this is a praying church you know what to do Come on all over this field and lift your voice. Come on all over this field and lift your voice to Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.